Hello ladies and gents, you're with Adrianosaurus, the coach of living to Vida Loco, and here we are. It's the end of round 21, and you know, like it's been a kind of interesting round, I think, mainly because we didn't have any, you know, the expected sort of high performers, if you know what I mean, like the big um, giant scores that we would have expected this year, and I think a lot of the good matchups that we had this week for actual NRL, um, you know, they interfered in some of the scoring potential of some of the players that we've been banking on for the whole year um, with some of the the top-of-the-table clashes. Uh, As a result, um, you know, we don't have, I don't think, as high a scoring week um, as we've had in in recent times. you know, let's let's get into it straight away. Um, you know, last week um, I I got a pretty good score in fifteen hundred and eight. I went up only forty three spots to five hundred and sixty four, which I was very happy with. Um, you know, it was a good jump into the middle of the table. You know, in the top thousand, and I thought you know every chance that I sort of push on towards top one hundred. Um, look, this week I haven't had, you know, an ideal week in a low scoring sort of round. I'm finished on 1138, which is definitely unders. Um, look, I'm only winning three out of my 10 leagues this week, which is not ideal for, um, you know, the run into finals, I guess. Uh, and look, the long and short of how I've done for this week was just one really poor decision. I think, um, this week where I, Logically, I was choosing between the Fox and Garrick, um, and I just really overstated in my own mind, you know, the inability for the Manly team to do well against the Melbourne Storm, just so um, amazing it is that the Melbourne Storm are as a team, um, and I didn't figure there was going to be much on, on offer for Garrick. I thought maybe someone like Tommy would do okay, um, but even in my prior podcast, I thought that Garrick was someone who um, was a sit rather than a play, and he tunned up this week, and, you know, I played Josh Adokar in in his place, and it's not like Melbourne didn't actually attack and and win the game and do very well down that way, but it all sort of um, stopped at Olam, who had done well, and none of it got to the Fox. Um, You know, I said in the podcast on Teams, um, you know, these rounds upcoming are going to be a lot about who you play and who you sit, um, and I just made a big bloody error, really. And most people I know who I played against in head-to-heads, um, you know, they had 17 only, and they had to play Garrick. They were probably by force to play Garrick nature, but um, as a result, they were beneficiaries of his big 100. Um, you know, so this week, 1138, I'm only winning three out of my 10 leagues. Um, what do I think is par? I think that this week it's going to probably be about a 1225 type week. So for me, I'm finishing below. I'm, I'm, I've lo- I'm 100 points shy, which is all, it's all Garrick. It's Garrick and Fox. If I'd have played who I should have played, um, I'm, I'm up where I need to be. I, I would have been on, you know, instead of 1138, I'd be at 12, 1238, you know, so, um, Look, it's not the best in the world, you know, for me this week. I'm going to get some red arrows. Um, with it being 12.25, it's probably going to be a couple of hundred, I think, uh, for me um, in, in rank drop. And, and look, you know, it, was a, it wasn't was a week where my captain tunned up either. Um, this week, tons were sort of 
you know, like there were less expected players and 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 the most likely candidates for captains. Um, you know, Tommy downdated to eighty five, um, and you know my my captain in um, Dewey, you know, finished. We haven't had that game updated, obviously, because it was played just now. Uh, finished on you know seventy five which is an okay score if you're thinking about it for a captain, but it's not a big 100, a big 150, a big 200, like a life-changing sort of, um, or, t- or year-changing uh, captain score. So, yeah, a bit of a mediocre week for me. I probably look at it as though a week a week that, you know, was the sh- shittest I've done in the year, really, because just some, you know, out of cars 16, it's not going to help you in a week like this in a low scorer. Um you know, 35 from Tapao, who I played, 41 DCE, who goes missing in big games. And, you know, he was okay, I guess, in this game against Melbourne, but 41 wasn't a huge score or anything to write home about. And, you know, this Nico Hines and Paps sharing role in the team is really affecting scores. And, you know, so some 41s in there. Um, you know, it's not a great score, and I think I'm going to go down on the ladder and hopefully I can regroup in the weeks to come. But one of my worst rounds of the year in the lead-up to finals and a chance to secure, you know, um, top fours and, and, and positions on the ladder, um, you know, went begging just for some poor choices from me. Um the one trade I made this week was to bring in Kalen Ponger. I like their run home. I thought that he was going to fire. Um, you know, we'll get it, get to him in the scores, but it wasn't an outrageously good score from him this week. It was okay. Um, and we'll talk about how I described his play, you know, later in the um, in the pod. Um, the Turbo Sammy's Cup, I was up against, I was up against it this week. In the final round before finals, I was up against the number one overall player in Supercoach in, uh, Tim Moody, the coach of, uh, the Villy Army, uh, in the Turbo Sammy's Cup. And he's an outstanding player, a good bloke, a smart man. <laughs> and he, um, he got me done this week. I think, um, you know, the, you know, I, I think if I'd have played, um, you know, Garrick in place of, um, you know, in place of the Fox, there's 100 points and him and I come down to updates just on that one decision alone. Um, but he's finished with a 12.53 to my 11.38. Well done. It was gutsy to play Garrick, I think, in that game against the Melbourne Storm. Um, because, you know, the Melbourne Storm absolutely suffocate teams. Um, and, you know, the play was good. Um, I thought playing Viliami Kikau in that game might have been a bit of a rough one as well, but he played Kikau. Um, so power to you, Tim. It was a good win in the in the Turbos Hammies. And, you know, I was always in my th- head, I was like, if I can get somewhere around 100 away from him, I'll be happy. Um, and it's a loss, but I'm happy to lose to such a good bloke and someone who's in first and um, a really good competitor. So, um you know, a loss for me to finish out the regular season, but I will make finals uh, and any, anything can happen in finals. And, you know, um, I'll give it my best go once I get in there. Um, the talking points for the week. Um, look, Rapana went on report, I guess, um, in that Raiders game. It looks like he's only going to receive a monetary fine. For you guys out there that own Rapana, I know they've just been increasingly owned. Marnie has done his shoulder. It looks like he's done for the rest of the year. Um, You know, he is 
pretty well owned, uh, Marnie. He's 19% owned, so that's going to be a real blow for owners to lose him for the rest of the year because I don't know if you're allowing a trade um, to get him out. Um, Best has, we looked like it was a tragedy with a lot of people bringing him in that he hurt that shoulder, but the report coming out of the club is that they've got the scans and it's come back all okay. Um, so Best, you know, he's only 4% owned, but he's somebody that people were considering for the run home and, you know, it looks like he's going to be okay. Um, uh, some suspensions in there. You've got Kurt Capewell, who's going to cop a week. Um, he is pretty well owned, Kurt Capewell. And, you know, people who played him this week would have got a good score out of him, but he's going to be, he's, he's 15% owned. Um, oh, he didn't get a good score this week, but he's going to be out next week as well, which is a blow. Uh, Appy Coruscant, um is out as well. He's going to cop a week, um, which is going to be a blow for owners. Angus is the big news of the week with that crusher. Um, three to four weeks. Um, well, what do I feel about Angus for three to four weeks? I think that in a game, um, you know, you have probably eight, 10 tackles that are all sort of crush alike in a game of football. Um, and look, uh, full probably eight of them out of the 10, you know, their penalty only is sufficient. And it's really disappointing to see him be charged by the match review committee to go um, with his loading in and have to, to fight, you know, that as a crusher because it was a real minor crusher and a lot of it was Martin lying down. Um, there was a there was a crusher. Who was it? It was kick out on um, Joey Manu, which was far worse and more of a classic crusher in that game that got no report, nothing, not a not a bloody, not a, not a thing. Um, but you know, Angus gets this here, and it's something that I I believe he moved to the side and didn't. You know, he, he, crushers are going to happen in a game of football, yeah. Because it's just the nature of the physical contact and bring him to the ground. And I think that if players that go on with it or they put their head in a dangerous position, you know, or the ones that try to do a duty of care and get make sure that they don't do it, I think a penalty is sufficient. Um, I saw Angus and his crusher, much like one of those ones where I saw a duty of care from him. He got to the side of him, wasn't even front on applying pressure to the head. He was to the side and side on. And I think he really did a lot to protect um, Martin. I think Martin hammed it on a bit, to be quite honest. And, you know, we're going to lose one of the greatest or the most interesting or fun to watch players in our game until finals for a team that's already decimated with injuries for something that should have been a penalty only. There's no way that's three or four weeks, but it looks like, I mean, if I were the Roosters, I would um, go and fight it and get it just downgraded to a fine or something because it's not a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad crusher. It wasn't something that somebody should sit out the game for as long, you know, and I know that there is priors and I know that there are prior non-similar events, uh, uh, you know, but there's something wrong with the system when you're losing players like Radley for five weeks over nothing and, you know, even that late shot that he missed origin for, Angus, I thought he was ripped off. Um, and here, that was a crusher that was no more than a penalty, but you're going to have him serve four, potentially four weeks for that. It's And for, you know, for super coach purposes, it's a real blow. Um, yeah, really, really, um, yeah, unfortunate. Lodge is going to miss two weeks for... 
Uh, I don't know what he did, but he's he's going to miss weeks, and he he's a pretty well owned player. Um, another talking point for the week. Uh, look to me, just watching the worst games of the week were the two games refereed by the Suttons, Gerard, and um, you know the other one. Um, look, too many six agains, and you know I think this year the NRLs made a huge, huge, huge mistake in making six agains, not just for a ruck but for ten meters. Um, the t- you know the ten meters is it should it should be a penalty like Ricky Stewart said they're becoming too frequent and too inconsistent because you know you can see one team get four six agains against them in a row for being nine meters but then you watch another team skate on seven of them in a row where they're only back seven eight meters you know if you can't get it right um don't do it and and don't increase we only have one ref on the field at the moment so let's not give them extra things to do that they can't do properly let's give them less um you know and oh yeah i mean and and, and the same thing happens there with the the angus is the interference of the bunker on you know head highs and all that's going to go on report they're just too trigger happy um they're too trigger happy on um what goes on report for things that should have just been a penalty. Um, and they're too trigger happy on six against the referees on the field. And we've got to, we've got to stop making six against for 10 meters offside, you know, because it's just, there's too many of them and it's too much momentum. And the Suttons are the worst for it, just doing KPIs. And, and it wasn't a good watch in either of those games. Um, for me, um, I just noticed, you know, everyone's like blowing the trumpets of Souths, you know, but, you know, their second halves are not looking too good to me as a, as a viewer in actual NRL. Um, you know, I think Cody is very quiet in second halves and, and Luttrell. Um, and look, they, they don't really go on with the job, you know, like other teams do, like the, the Melbournes and the Penriths at full strength. So um, I just noticed that, you know, if, you, if you're playing Supercoach and that, don't expect many points from Souths and Cody in the second half, you know, because they don't go on with it. Um, all right, other talking point. Um, my opinions on the teams that are going to finish in top eight and the top four. Melbourne's going to be number one. Penrith's going to be number two. South is going to be number three. I think Manly's going to take number fourth spot. Just with the run home and the momentum, um, I like them ahead of the Roosters and Eels. I think the Eels are going to struggle for wins uh, from here. I think that it's going to be five Roosters, six uh, Eels. I think the Knights might creep in in eighth, and I think it's up for grabs. The Titans and the Sharks uh, either run home. The Titans have two really hard games, which I can't see them winning at all. Um, and I think the Sharks might take the eighth spot. Um, I think the Knights will take seven. Um, Fafita was benched again in this game. He went on to score an OK 70. Um, you know, like listening to coach at the start of the game, he was like, oh, it's worked for us the last couple of weeks, so we're just going to keep it up. Well, you got to play there. Who? How many million-dollar players are starting on the bench? You know, like the better way to run for feeder would be running for 30 minutes and pull him off 10 minutes before half time and then bring him on after 10 in the second half or something, you know, like there were opportunities this week where David would have scored tries if he'd got him the ball in the first half, but he wasn't even on field. They had such a huge weight of possession um, and it was a perfect opportunity for someone of David's size and run and tackle break ability to capitalize on it. And, you know, he came on and made a difference and scored a try early, but, you know, how much earlier could he have scored and how much ahead could the Titans have been? 
you know, I think that, you know, you've got these coaches that get upset. He's just like, oh, work for us in the past. Well, maybe it didn't work for you in the, in the previous weeks. Maybe you got wins in those previous weeks. Um, and if you had David on, you would have won by 10 points each more. You know, I think, you know, the game is... Because it's not like Harry Grant and uh, the Cheese. It's not like Pappenhausen and Hines, who are they're arguably the two best people in each of their positions in the whole league. You're leaving David Fafita on the bench for both firmer to start games? Come on. You know, like, um, you know, if you're talking about Fafita coming on and making impact against tired players, I mean, bring him on right after 20 then, or... You know, like work it out so that you it's you're playing David for more minutes. It's just it defies logic to me. Like when he goes out there, it's not like he's working hard. You you want to save David's energy, but he never looks like he's even. You know, he doesn't look gassed ever because he's only making minimal runs. You got to get him out there. You know, I don't think that David's energy levels are a problem. I think that Dave's interest in the game is a problem, and I don't think you're getting anything off him the last couple of weeks, you know, bringing him off the bench. I think maybe, you know, moonlight him from edge and, and move him into lock or move him on the other side of of, of the, the second row. Move him, move him the other side of the field. Do something to change it up variety-wise for him and make him work, but the bench isn't working for me. Um... Another point I noticed is, you know, I don't think Tino is overrated because I love his effort. I think he's an effort player, um, but I think he gets played in bulk minutes for somebody who is like a lot of energy for actually quite a no-frills player, if you know what I mean. I don't think you're going to gain from having people like Tino on the field, um, you know, no-frilling it all the time when you've got to get uh, against these better teams where you have to have people like Fafita on there for longer minutes. Um, and, you know, he's got no offload. He doesn't really tackle break. He's just, you know, plenty of effort in tackling. And he runs with gusto and makes his nine-meter runs. But, you know, he's like a more sort of popular and energy tollman. He's, he's, he's meat and potatoes. Um, I don't know. I just don't get it. And it just seems weird to me. And the coach is like, oh, we've won a couple in a row. So they won today. So they're going to start Fafita from the bench again. I mean, honestly, you can't say you think that they'd be better without Fafita at the start of the game. You know, anyway, just my opinion. Um, all right. On to the next bit. Um, look, I'm not going to do a story this week. Um, I'm going to do something uh, different instead. Um I want to talk a little bit about a few things this week, but I was really shocked this week because I do a little bit of charity work myself and um, I saw a, a a note there that Lifeline, you know, has recorded its highest number of calls on a number of different days um, than they have in, you know, 50, over 58 years. And um, it really just knocked me for six, you know, like the most calls they've had in 58 years and, you know, you think about the things, you know, you see the breakdown of what these calls are to Lifeline. It's people who are feeling um, isolated. There's people who have um, who have lost jobs, who are having financial difficulties, who are um, experiencing family difficulties. And, um, you know, there's just a, a huge array of reasons why people are feeling really awful at the moment in society and look it's totally understandable you know we're going through 
you know, last week, the whole eastern seaboard of Australia was locked down. And um, a lot of people do that tough, you know, they're isolated. And, you know, it's hard to get groceries, and it's hard to get out. And it's hard, people are single, and they have no one to talk to. And, um, you know, they have nobody um, to use as a confidant or to say that they're not doing you know, doing okay. And, um, I was thinking about that myself and it really just, um, you know, it, it really just kind of hit me for six, you know, it made me think about myself and, um, you know, the way that I am to people around me and, you know, it made, inspired me to go and check in on a lot of people, which I did. Um, and I've even managed to be able to help a few people this week. Um, who I just never really gave a thought to that they were doing it tough for whatever reason. And, um, you know, just seeing that lifeline report made me think of that. And, um, maybe we just go a little bit harsh on people or we don't give them enough thought about their, how they're doing. And we get a little bit too harsh on people at times. Um, and it led me to my podcast and, you know, I just realized that poor old whisperer, you know, he's a good guy and, and I've probably given him a bit of a hard time on my old podcast here, mainly because he's, I'm only tongue in cheek, sort of having a go at him about um, going so shit this year. And, you know, I think that I've definitely taken that too far at times. It, you know, a joke's a joke and a bit of banter's okay, but, you know, you can't just only be negative to people. So, um I've probably gone a bit harsh on the Whisperer and, you know, saying things last week like, oh, you shouldn't run a podcast if you shit at Supercoach. It's just mean and unnecessary. And I want to say sorry for that. Um, if you're out there, Whisperer, um, I'm really sorry for going too harsh on you. And, you know, I should give you compliments where they're due and maybe cut you some slack, you know, because the actual fact is that your content is fantastic. You know, you do a good podcast and I love your articles that you go on there and you just, um, you know, it's, it's hard not to admire somebody who loves Supercoach and who has a great energy towards Supercoach and uh, you're definitely somebody who adds to the community in a big, big way. Um so it was poor on my part to just go so hard on you and I'm sorry I want you to know that I love having you in the community and you're a good bloke and um you know you're a, a definitely a positive thing for the community um so there you go uh, I want to do better and I want to be a little bit more positive towards people and I'm gonna cut that out and you won't hear negative words from me towards you whisperer um, anymore because you don't deserve it. <laughs> if you, you're just having a rough old year and we've all been there. Um, I also want to chuck in there, Kando. Um, I'm certainly, <laughs> I'm certainly joking when I give you shit about, um, the Turbo Sammy's cup and who created it and all. Um, you know, you're a good bloke, Kando. And, you know, if for what it's worth, I think, um, it's better if you run the Turbo Sammy's cup because you just put in so much effort. You're an effort filled person. Um, and you know, I've probably just gone and, you know, like, I mean, I'm joking around, of course, but I think that there's a sometimes joke, you can joke, take jokes too far. And, um, I've given you a fair bit of shit about the old Turbo Savvy's Cup. And so I'm sorry. And, you know, you're, you deserve a little better than that. And, and I want to be 
I should compliment you more because of everything that you do and you you do work, work hard and you help people in the community and you know you're a very positive person so it's just I don't know it's piss poor to be so negative towards you like I am at times so I just want to apologize to you uh live on the podcast about that as well um you know I think there's two people there that I've just you know have a bit of a joke about and it's not appropriate to do that non-stop and never ever compliment you both which I think you both definitely deserve um anyway so that's my bit um on on that instead of a story well actually I'll, I'll tell you one other story how about this um have you ever been into like those Asian grocer stores and you buy like those big sleeves of peeled garlic I mean I, I used to love getting those and, you know, it takes all the work out of peeling and, <laughs> you know, you're tipping off garlic. You just put them straight in. Well, the actual history um, of those peeled garlics um, come back to Chinese prisons. Um, and, you know, in those Chinese prisons, peel they peel garlic as a way of supplementing or making an income while they're in jail. And... That's the peeled garlic that are in these Asian grocers. Um, now, the thing that I'm not sure if you know this, people out there, is that often these convicts that are peeling garlic for, uh, you know, to go out and be mass, you know, mass produced and sleeved out to the public, um, their fingernails fall out just from the overuse of peeling, you know, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of garlic. So their fingers are just like. Mm, you know, monstrously injured and and all the nails are out so you know what they use instead of their fingers to peel garlic their teeth <gasps> i don't know if you know that but there you go look it up chinese prisons peeling garlic with teeth uh so if you go to your asian gr grocer and you love i go to the asian grocer for szechuan and all sorts you know soys and katsu curries and all that don't grab the peeled garlic because that that could well be convict teeth peeled garlic. <laughs> I mean, uh, anyway, woo. Yeah, so there you go. That's my little short. It's a little short one this week. Um, scores for the week. I'm, I'm only going to concentrate on some of the key positions this week. I wanted to concentrate on fullback, center, um, hooker, and 5-8. I mean, I think they're the main deciding points this year for positions. Um, you know, the, the people who have picked the right fullback, center wing, hooker on 5-8 are the ones that are having these good weeks. So let's look at the scores that came this week from all of those positions. Um, let's start this week with fullback. Um, the big scorers this week in the fullback position, I mean, these are, I'm only concentrating on owned, you know, reasonably owned. You know, if you've got a 2% owned fullback who tunned up, good on you. But, you know, you're not going to make a huge dent on the competition, I don't think. Um... Let's look at the ones that are reasonably well owned. So in the fullback position this week, 8% owned Walsh uh, for the Warriors. They had a, he turned up. He got a 101. It was one of the rare sort of 100s this week, and it's a it's a, it's a fabulous score for him. Um, you know, the Warriors live on, and they did well this week. Um, Teddy got a 99 um, in a losing side against, um, 
you know, the the Panthers. I didn't really notice much from Teddy out there, just quietly. But he he got a 99, so just a tick off a, off a hunch uh, and a good score. Um, I've got some Ambers in there. So those were the Greens, you know, your, your Walsh and Teddy. Um, an 85 from Turbo against Melbourne, you've got to count as a fair success. Um, I'm just, you know, 51% owned. Uh, I just don't know how many people captained him. I haven't looked, but 85 is okay. Um, but certainly, you know, by playing against Melbourne standards, it's a very good score. Um, and look, Ponga got a 71, which I've got in there as an amber as well. Just to me, Ponga being 5% owned and with that juicy run, he had a very soft matchup. Um, he looked a little lethargic to me out there. Um, just energy levels and interest in the game are a big problem for Ponga, I think, as um, an owner. Um, and 71 is... You know, it's not something that you're going to go panic station for, but, um, you know, there's pretty much only two, you know, can, you, Teddy can get 100 plus and, and Turbo can go big 100 plus. There's not a lot that, that are sticking out that can compete with them. And, you know, Pong has got this soft run home. Um, I've got the Knights coming seventh and we need Pong to stand up and be in it for 80 minutes of a game. I know that he lost the kicking, but... 71 um the the terror well the not the reds from fullback scores 32 to gutho look 62 to latrell it's not a hopeless bad bad score um but you know you want when you've got 100 from walsh and 99 from teddy he's he's nearly 40 off um 62 is just a, a f- not not what you want in the fullback position um and pap got a th- a, a 31 now on the Pap and um, Heinz and, and the Grant and the um, Cheese, can you really own any of those players now and get the best out of them at the moment? I mean, question mark? You know, um, Pap's coming on at, at halftime, so it's killing him and Heinz, you know. 31 for him, 41 for Heinz. It's just, I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable playing Heinz next week or Pap if I own them. Just because, you know, you kind of think maybe Paps goes and takes bigger minutes. Paps needs to get to 60, you know. But the way that they... If you're going to carry um, Paps and um, Grant on the bench, I just don't see that it almost puts a line through all four of them in a way. 31 from Paps in the fullback position would be disappointed for people that held or picked him for the run home. The center wing is where we've got a lot of people and there's where you can make a big difference. Your greens this week, I'm going to give Rapana a green for 63. Um, it's not a huge, big score, but he has been scoring well. Um, he's 10% owned in 63 you'll take in the center wing. Um, Tessie New, he's 8% owned, got an 84. Um, Jack Bird, um, he's 18% owned, a 61. All of these scores, if you get in your center wing, you're going to accept Gago got a 77. We've said that he was a great buy weeks and weeks ago. Um, 77's a good score. Ramian got a 68. You'll take that. I mean, for most of the game, he was looking pretty bloody shit, Ramian, but he brought it home late and got a good score. Um, 11% Tupo, 64 is acceptable. Um, Joey Manu at 11%. Where he got moved late to the wing. Oh, I mean, if you're playing against people who are got Joey Manu, you just want Copley to come in and take the wing spot so that Joey Manu goes back to center wing because while he's on the wing, he's going to be getting these scores. Did he get a... Was it... Yeah, 95. 
Um, some of the amber scores in there, we have got um, Lomax got a 50. You got a 44 from Milne. He's 10% owned, so it's a it's, you know, reasonable amount of people own him. Sivo got a 52. Um, he's he's 13% owned. It surprised me. Um, but, you know, an okay score. Talakai, okay. He's only 4%, but 47. Um, what about in this last game? I had Marju in there. He He's 13% owned. How did he do? Marju. 42 is just an okay as well. Uh, in the center wing, there were some shit scores. You had uh, Bradman Best, who went off with that injury. The word is that he's okay, um, you know, but 27 is not a, a score that you want in the center wing. Nofo, um, today, he... What did Nofo do? He had a shocker this week, um, and he's 15% owned as well, which, you know, it's going to be a big letdown for people. 20 points. Uh, hasn't updated yet, but it's it's 20 points. Um, you know, we've got Hines. Oh, he got a 41, but, I mean, look, he's playing fullback. But you'll accept, I guess, as a medium, I guess, 41 in the center wing. Uh, the Fox, 16, absolutely killed my week. I could have had Garrick for the 100 instead. Uh, all with the 79 uh, was good. He was a green. Um, Saab with a 37 was, was a red. He was terrible. Um, even though he scored a try, 37. Um, Hooker. Watson got a red for 36. Um, Marnie got injured there with the shoulder, and unfortunately it looks like he's out for the whole year, 36. Your medium scores were the Cheese with 58. Grant, I've got as a medium, I guess, um, with 62. Um, and Cook with a 66 in the hooker position. But Radley... The, um, you know, Victor the Inflictor, 95, was a bloody good score um, this week in the hooker position. Um, over to the 5 eighth, um, the good scores this week were Cody Walker with a 90. You had uh, Burton had a ripper of a game there for the um, Panthers with a 134. Munster had an 84, which is quite good. Uh, and 75 from Dewey, I'll put in there as a good score as well. A medium score, 11% owned, Gamble is. And in this week where people were forced to play people that they ordinarily wouldn't, 52 is just okay. Um, the bad scores, 9% owned, Nicarima, 28 points. Uh, and Jerome Luai, mate, hasn't he gone missing without um, Nathan Cleary there? 14% owned, 30 points. Um, just a real terrible score. Um, look, this week has just been a week about, I guess, how, how much of it's 17 you could feel and who you sort of played and who you sat. Um, I got it wrong myself on the Garrick versus Fox. Um, and it was a bit of a mixed bag this week. I don't think it's going to be as high a scoring round. Um, you know, I'm in the mid sort of 1100s, but I think it's going to be early 1200s for par. Um, look, I'm hoping to get a guest on and we'll, we'll hear from them next. All right. Well, I'm back on the Adrianosaurus podcast and I have a fabulous, fabulous guest. It's the co-host of the Super Coach Experience, uh, Michael Adard. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's, you know, I haven't really ventured off from my own podcast for, for quite a while, so it's nice uh, instead of it being sad for me to come on and just yeah, talk with someone different and, yeah, I'm keen to talk some super coaches always man yeah i mean i'm on the same i think um this year it's kind of made me look at things a little differently when i just sort of play by myself um 
you know, I play a certain way, but I guess talking to other people and they're like, oh, don't do that. Or maybe you should do this. Just even just different thoughts. People who think differently than you is always a good thing for Supercoach, I think. And um, it's good to have you on. And um, how are you? Um, how, how's your year going on Supercoach? Yeah, well, um, you know, as if, if you follow the, the experience, I've really, yeah, I've really started off real poorly. I made a few bad choices and like many, I just didn't control my trades, trades really well. I'm, I'm normally very good super coach at holding my trades and, you know, utilizing them now for this time of year, but I really didn't do that because I started my team so poor. Um, I wasn't able to save trades because I was just trying to catch up and get back on the horse. But, um, yeah, about 10 weeks ago, I was sitting in about 30,000. Mm-hmm. And each week, I've just called my way back, took some pods. I, I really haven't been risky with the captains. I've just copied the, the, the key guys I think that's going to score, which most guys have done, and just allowed the pods to call me back. So I'm sitting at 3,337. And each, I haven't seen red arrows in 10 weeks. That's constantly going up. So, um, you know, I do want to try and push for a top 1,000. I don't think I like my chances purely with one trade in the bank. I don't think it's enough. Mm. Um, it's kind of just so many guys injured. I've got a lot of guys in my team that I'm not going to be able to get out that are injured. <laughs> I know a lot of other people are doing it, but um, I think I've done really well the past two weeks. There were urges where I wanted to use my last trade and not cop an AE. Mm. But I thought to myself, I'm in a lot of cash comps like a lot of us. I'm sitting up real pretty in them. Um, you know, this round just gone, I'm sitting at 8 out of 10. So what I wanted to do was just, it didn't really matter how my results went because I was pretty solidified in those. So I was like, nah, be smart. I converse a bit with Timmy from my voice. I was like, nah, hold that trade. You know, there's no point wasting your one trade when you're about to go into Super Coach Finals. I think holding trades for these finals are going to be really crucial, whether or not you're seeking a head-to-head victory or, you know, you want to do good in an overall rank. I think holding on, this week I scored pretty well and, um, yeah, happy I held the trade. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing more prevalent than that than someone like Angus, who's like a prime second rower. We could lose for three to four weeks um, for the crusher tackle. I mean, I personally think that that was a penalty at most. He moved himself to the yeah. side, didn't put pressure down. You know, like some of these, you know, there was crushers in every, there's crusher type tackles in every game and, um, you know, a penalty is sufficient. And I think that maybe the, the bunker jumps in and puts too many things on report. And I just, I, if you, even if you've got loading, wouldn't it just be a kick in the nads to, to go out for till finals because you actually showed a duty of care to get out of the way and not go directly on and put pressure on a neck, which is what Angus did, you know, but yeah, I mean, having a trade, um, to be able to do something about that. I don't know if you're going to waste that trade on a second row, but um, it's going to blow a few teams up because they're only got three, you know, really good players and they might have a CHN, you know, as their fourth on in the second row, you know? Yeah, it's, it's becoming real interesting because I think a lot of the second rowers this year, there is so much option and variety in the second row this year. And... Looking at your sides, and especially looking at me lately, I've been playing five to six second rolls in my team, and they've been really scoring really well, and I think you can make up a lot of safe points for them. They might not have a higher ceiling as a centre wing, but one thing you can count on is, you know, a 60 from most of them, which is kind of what I'm looking for with the second rollers. I think there's a lot of them out there if you want to purchase a second roller. And as you said, like, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Angus. He's got a lot of carryover points, so he probably will cop for three weeks. I think if he cops two weeks... You'd hold him. I don't know if I want to use my last trade. I might be forced into using it in the center wing. Mm. But at the same time, I do like guys like Cam Murray and, 
Frizzell could be option. Kick out with some of the weak matchups the Panthers has against the Dragons. I think, you know, first week of finals, it's all about making sure, especially if in the top four, get through as far as you can. So I'll probably go all guns blazing if I can for this round. Um, but with Gus, if he's going to be out for two weeks or three weeks, if you get through to that Supercoach final in the final round, I think he'll be a critical play. That's yeah. that's why a bit of me will want to hold him. The fact I'm running six second rolls, I think you can. But you're right, a lot of teams out there might only have four second rollers. One could include CHM, and they're holding a bench of Levich in there, which then you're not going to have much of a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, look, I think for me, I can hold Angus, and I probably, I mean, I'm at two trades left, but I'm in eight, I'm in nine cashy, so I think strategically, I want to, I'm going to cover against if a Tommy goes down, or if I lose a, you know, a, a huge player who can ton up, and I think that's a, a big advantage. I mean, yeah, I'd like to finish the top thousand this year, ideally, because I mean, I'm always a head-to-head player, mostly by this time of the year. I think. My best finish was like 900 and something, you know, like I've not had a big finish in the overall every year because I just go, I want money. And I just, I go to play my head-to-heads. Um, it's one way you can, can guarantee it. I'm the same. I've become, well, I'm an overall player, but yeah, at this time of year, I'm at 3,000 ranking. It's just, I'm in eight out of nine of my cash comps. I go into <laughs> the final. So now it's just purely ensure you can win those. Yeah, well, I've made 10 out of 10, which is pretty good. But I mean, oh, how bad is it in the old Turbo Sammies? I'm up against the bloody person in first overall, you know, but yeah, good, it would good old team. <laughs> Congrats to him. But yeah. obviously, you know, when you rank number one overall, that's going to translate into head to head as well. So I mean, he, tough yeah, week for you. yeah, tough you old week. week. Yeah, tough old week. Yeah. I mean, I've had about seven wins in a row and I knew as soon as I had him up and I really should have just strategically, if I'd have played Garrick instead of um, the Fox and matched him, it would have been Bloor versus Nofaluma who Bloor won. So, you know, we could have come down yeah. to updates. So it was a poor decision on my part. But, I mean, I don't know how how do the finals work in... I mean, it is my league, so I should know this, what the um, yeah, well, settings it'll, it'll are. Be, it'll be like the actual NRL. So, we'll so one versus four? Four, so you'll be up against Timmy again this week. No, well, because so, I think I dropped down to five. So I'm not well, going to be... No, I, no I, I'll have a look at the live ladder for you right now, but I actually oh, looked at it before the show because no. I think um, a lot of them lost this week. No. Um, so I, I personally, I beat the spy this week, which might have helped you. Oh um, no! Unfortunately, unfortunately for me, um, it doesn't do anything to me. I, ver- I was versing Barnsley no matter what. Oh no! Um, yeah, it's got me in fourth. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a lot of the boys up above lost. Only myself, oh, Cowboy, no. and Timmy won. So oh Jesus! Yeah. I'm going to hold it's on good, to fourth. It's good, it's good for you. You'd rather. You'd rather have the extra chance. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'll take the extra chance. But, I mean, look, I mean, Tim's having some sort of year. And, I mean, I, I love that he's got, play, play like, unique players in his team. It may, Like, I I just love head-to-head. So, playing against him this week, just, I love the way he plays. It's kind of kooky. And it's kind of, I love the way yeah, he doesn't. Do. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what he's going to do. I, lo- I love that kind of way of playing. And I couldn't think of a, a better deserved winner, personally, because, all these people that win are just all these mathematics sort of, but he's more of a feel player, like a more of a um, go with your gut kind of player. I'd love to see yeah. someone who plays like that win the whole thing overall. Yeah, well, you know, Shaz has made it pretty clear how we met Tim. We met him through Supercoach, and it's awesome to show how, like, you know, you can make lifelong friends from Supercoach. And the fact that seeing he was a guy that would always ask questions and seeing that Ball was a Supercoacher and, the amount of work I've seen him put in this year and just his thought process 
he's on a completely different train. And um, after being in a similar position mid last year, I was mm. really up the top of the end, and I couldn't come away with it. And to see him come away with it, like a you know, just standing back and just watching, I think you can you can learn learn a lot from that. So yeah, and I like he goes all the way. There's still a while to go, but. Yeah, hopefully, same. I mean, I think his discipline to, uh, you know, towards in in the most recent rounds, extending his lead and not jumping the gun and doing anything panicky. Um, you know, hopefully he's got enough to hold on. I mean, it'd be really great to see just quietly someone who you who you know and and you like, you know, to to go on and take out the whole thing. I think it'd be really good. But um, good luck to him anyway. But um, more on to you. So are you gonna make you? you did you miss the Turbo's Amy's Cup finals? No, I got in. I was in sixth place. Um, I know Sabs was dirty because oh. Sabs is ahead of me in the ranks and he's absolutely dirty. That I'm <laughs> um, but yet again, like it just with head to head, it doesn't matter if you know you're doing better in the overall rankings. It's just all about matchups and mm. luck. Yep. It's not just luck, but obviously, you know, there are weeks where you know I had handy matchups. Um, I'm very unfortunate. I'm actually equal points with the, with you, Dez, and everyone. But my four and against is the worst, so I'm going to sit at six. But yeah, I've dropped in a few wins. This week, I was versing um, uh, Barney from the, the All Stars. Yeah. So no matter what, I'm going up against Barnsey um, in, a, in a sudden death match. So mm. I'm not sure if I'm on the same par as you and Timmy. I'm not sure if the loser versus the winner of us. But yeah, just. I want to get through the first round. I don't want to get knocked out the first <laughs> round, but it's, 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 it's just a bit of fun. Like, it's yeah. good to be in there. We're, we're first in the, the rankings yeah. for a head-to-head league, so I don't yeah. think that's a coincidence. Nah. It's good to see all the guys that are contributing and using podcasts doing so well. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, everyone comes on the podcast, and there's lots of differing opinions, but, you know, as someone who's listened, you know, I... I listen to all of your podcasts. I've been listening for years. I used to be even a part of the old yeah, <laughs> SE experience back in the day. Um, you know, but I listen to everyone and I kind of, I out of all of that, I just formulate my own opinion based on it. Some of them sway me big time. Like um, uh, the All-Stars, I always get swayed, especially Barnsey. He just gives, a, he'd be a good debater back in high school. You know, like he, 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 he voice. yeah, he really gets a, he gets an opinion across and it, it sways me a lot, but um, it's a really good league. And I mean, I think, imagine that, you know, a league, um, you know, just of people who provide content to the community, like all of us, um, taking our top spot, it'd be just a great badge, I guess, in a way, um, to win it. Especially our first year of doing it too. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a big yeah. statement, Mark, I think. <laughs> yeah. It'd be awesome. So good luck to everyone in there. Hopefully we, we hold on to it. But um what what do you reckon has been your biggest success if you had to put one thing down to this year? I mean, I think coming from where you came from, there's got to be something that's you would count as a success, I guess, going from that far back and landing where you are. Because I mean, top five thousand is you know you've always got to be happy with that, and especially when you're mid mid year and you're in the thirty thousand, there's got to be a success in there. Yeah, well, the past three years I've I've consistently you know finished around or a bit better than that rank. Um, Looking back at it now, I really haven't thought of that process, but one of the key trades that stands out, um, a big thing that I always am on is, you know, everyone's going to own popular and good players, but the key is to grab that player before they pop off, which I like to say. So although everyone might jump on once they start performing well, if you can jag that player and get an 80 and 100 out of them before everyone else can, you can make up some ground. Mm. So I got onto CHN after his second game after in returns when no one else had him. He was owned by about 1%. Yeah. And instead of myself picking up a player for the first buy round, 
I looked at my side and I was like, I'm screwed for this second buy round. Let's pick him up. 350K. I need a second rower. I got him in. Look, he's at 600K now. So I got him in. And the first week I got him in, uh, I think he went like, in, uh, he scored a try, got like 80, 100 the next week. Then everybody started jumping on. So I got him, when everyone started to jump on, I paid 110K less. So I think. Getting on a place at the right time gives you an advantage because while everyone else has to fork out their more money, I'm using that money to do other moves. So that's that's one of the key ones that stands out to me. I also got on Jerome Hughes pretty early. Yeah, same, um, yeah. people did. Yeah, like a lot of my pods really turned away. I think a lot of the time too, I really chased the tail of some plays, like example, some critical moves would have been Alex Johnston. Um, I got him... He scored 110. I didn't grab him. Next week, I spent 80K to grab him. But once I grabbed him, even though it might have been a week late, he still went on that crazy run. Yeah. And I got all of those scores. So in the past, and I know a lot of people just go, no, nah, I didn't get him last week. I'm going to death ride him. I was like, no, nah, I need to get him because I think I'll fall behind if I don't. Yeah. I did that last minute with Ruben Garrick. <laughs> um, and yeah, the same could have been said with uh, Nico Hines. I grabbed him like, you know, Instead of at that cheap price when I wanted to, I grabbed him at like 500k. But all those moves, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be sitting where I am because yeah, those players went on crazy runs and without them, you couldn't be where you were. Although they're all highly owned now, I think getting on it, like, you know, chasing them when I should have given up or getting on them at the right time, I think it's how I was able to catch ground and... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I think that there's a point. I think this year more than any other year, there's been some real big um, shifts in ownership, and and people have gone, oh, everyone's bringing in IPAP, everyone's bringing in Heinz, and you know you've got to you've got to know your time to go a pod, and you've got to know your time to go with the flow, you know. And my yeah. mistake this week was probably in looking at the numbers and looking at everyone in head to heads who were playing Garrick, and I tried to be pottish. And played the Fox. Cost me 100 points. But there's the same when you, you bring a player in. This year, I did. I, I I held it as long as I could. But eventually, when the price was okay, I brought in IPAP. You know, I brought in, you know, for feeder. And I, I went with Hughes. I went with Hines. And, you know, like, if you ignore something that's banging down your door for so long, you know, that's when you start to drain down, you know, like uh, drown, down yeah. the ladder. I think it's a good thing this year. Even if you miss it by, yeah, it's a huge advantage. You know, like Timmy's move to bring in Daily Cherry Evans when everyone brought in Burton. That's almost the difference. Super move. Yeah, it was a a, super move. Super move. Yeah. And and I mean, it's always about going the different route. It's just about owning the move and kind of thinking ahead. Like yeah, it it was good foresight. It's a stroke. You just look at yeah. It's just doing a little bit of Tom research going right. Look at his run. Look at his draw. Yes, Turbo's controlling the ruck, but if I think this team's going to score points, then someone like Cherry Evans might have been a better move than Burden. You have a look, yeah, Burden in a team without Cleary, that side's not going to score as much points, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that maybe, you know, if people are writing down notes for following years, is that don't always go with the crowd, but generally speaking... You know, the crowd is telling you something for a good reason. Because we all we all crunch the numbers. We look at five-run average, three-run averages, you know, what their upcoming run is. You know, like that was the reason I just brought in Ponga this week, mainly because of his run home. And even though he doesn't have the goal-kicking, you know, with the, the minute share between Pap and Hines, Paps and Hines, I just thought it was either Teddy or Ponga. 
you know, and and I and look, Ponga didn't set the world. Like, what did he get? Seventy something, you know. But you'll, I'll just take it as a safety score in in fullback, you know, for the and run yeah, home. As you said, they've got an easy run, and they're looking better and better. And I think Ponga plays a lot better with Pierce inside him. So. I really do think the Knights will lock up a top eight position. And, yeah, I um, mean, that's a, a good yeah. point. Actually, I'll run by what I said, my top eight. Sorry, all that noise. Um, my top eight and top four. I've got Melbourne in first, um, Penrith in second. I've got the oh, South in third. Manly, I think, are going to jag fourth, um, mainly on run home. Do you agree with that? Yeah, so, so far, I have that exact same top four, yeah. Yep. I think the Roosters are going to take five. I think yeah. um, their runners eases up a little bit, and I don't know. The Eels have got the toughest run ever coming home. I think they're going to get sixth, the I Eels. I think so, too. If you, look, if you look at that, they can't really get any worse than that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to say seventh. I think the Knights uh, on their run are going to take seventh spot. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't got the Raiders in there at all. Um, on their run, I've got the Knights in seventh, and and I've got it's, I don't know a hundred percent who out of the Titans and the Sharks, but no, I, I'm confident. I'm also confident with the Titans, and other than that, I, I agree with all those other spots. I think you know the Titans are now starting to not leak in as many tries of their performance tonight. Um, also, yeah, they run. They, they do have a toughish run. Yeah, they've got a couple of hard games. They got a Melbourne and a Roosters. Is it maybe? They guess a couple of hard games. If they can win two of the four, I think it'll be okay. And Sharks have a lot to prove. I think without Moylan and Johnson, they are absolutely struggling. Look at the two games they've dropped. They have a pretty easy run home apart from Melbourne. But the fact is they weren't able to beat the Warriors this week and yeah. they've been struggling to beat some teams. Yeah. So and without Johnson. Week, yeah, so. without Johnson they yeah. look they look a lot less potent. But I so I think it's the Knights, Titans and Sharks fighting over three teams fighting over two spots. I think um, the Raiders have an outside chance, Ado. I, I, I think they <laughs> could sneak a ninth or tenth. I do think they... You can't fully rule them out. I know no, you can't. I know they've got Melbourne and Manly, but yeah. if, they can, if they can perform... Look, they've got one of the toughest runs home. They yeah, they do. In that, so you can yeah. probably... Oh, it's a tough run. Yeah, they need to look two, two of the four, but... You know. Yeah, it's a tough old run. I, I'm, if I'm being real, I just don't think it's our year this year. I mean, look, I was really buoyed by their win over the Eels, but... Um, you know, I think on their day, the Raiders can, if they can upset maybe one of those teams, I think maybe, you know? You um, need to upset one out of the next two, though. I think yeah. you leave it too hard if you too much pressure to take home. Two yeah. wins, 24-24. Yeah. So, so being a realist, I think it's Knights, Titans, Sharks, just on run um, home. But anyway, the, yeah, that was interesting to, to cover anyway. I mean, I, I just think, yeah. you know, it'll be an interesting... I mean, I think in the final series, I mean, I think it'll be a manly... I mean, I think it'll be a, a you know, probably Melbourne-Penrith final. And the only ones I see... I see three three and four in my view. I think South and Manly could give them a run on their day if everything goes well. Yeah, I think I can be anyone from that top four. Uh, obviously, I'll make it pretty clear I'm a Penrith supporter. I'm not <laughs> convinced yet. I honestly was that confident we were going to lose against the Roosters and they yeah. restored some faith. That was the best game they played without Cleary. Yes, we yeah. got a lot of the calls went our way, but it's a bit of confidence. If Cleary can come back into that side, um, I thought the debut of Taylor May was oh, absolutely spectacular. I was, was I've got him on my notes to cover with like, you. It was just like, it was just like Brian Tottle. Yeah, he was, was good. He was really good. 
Yeah. 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 Ye
you know, and you own certain players and you're getting head highs. And, you know, like when Radley went out, for instance, five weeks and you lose Angus, I think that there's been Angus lost a week in origin because of that late hit, which I didn't even think was barely a penalty, but just some inconveniences, which I think have hampered the SC game. You know, I think that next year they're going to be looking at some changes for the increase in head high and, you know, foul play and also for the way that our games change with the six again and, you know, attack is attack is king. That's why this year second row and front row has been more of a dead position compared to center wing and fullback, you know. So I think it looks like my guess would be positions, they're going to change the rules a little bit next year on a number of positions, yeah? So I'm going to ask you some questions and ask you what you think of them, what things that I've got written down for next year yeah all right so changes for next year here are some of the things i've seen and maybe some of my own things my own thoughts in it and i want to hear what you think about it so if you're somebody that holds somebody up in goal like um in an attacking position or even in defense i guess maybe like someone's trying to get out of in goal do you think that that should be worth some points like five points if you you, you follow through on a kick and you, you're the person that makes the tackle to hold someone in goal. Do you think that should be worth some points? I wouldn't say five points. I think that might be a bit extreme. extreme? I definitely think it should be worth something. Example, like the example you just used there, if someone works hard and instead of taking that ball dead, gets out of their own in goal or yeah, a, a, a tackle like that, which realistically you're giving six points for a four dropout and stuff like that. Yeah. So there should be at least, you know, two to three points, even two to four points on yeah. offer for... For plays like that, I think for sure, like something, really, even if it's just one point, say this, you know, with how they should definitely reward, you know, Defense. all that effort where there's some points or some weird stuff that doesn't even get scored regularly. I think yeah. that would be a, a key input. Yeah, because my thought is that we need to bring in more for defense because there's a lot of attacking points for attackers like tackle breakers and try scorers and line breakers and everything, but now it's all just tackles. You know, it's what do you get in def- all these defensive players? You know, but you've got some people who hustle and they, like Jake Trevojevic would become a bigger prospect because he's always chasing through. He's the one making the tackle in goal, make, forcing a dropout. Like there's the kick that forces the dropout, but it's only as good as the defense that's getting there and making the tackle. Um, so I think maybe, yeah, even if it was a three-pointer, imagine you've got someone who always chases through on kicks and they're the one putting the pressure on people in goal. You know, three points. I just think that's a good idea. Um uh, one that I saw, which I thought was, if you're a big tackle bot, like a big the big tacklers, should there be a bonus if like a five points if you make thirty plus tackles, or a ten pointer if you make forty plus tackles, or twenty or fifteen points if you make plus fifty, like the people who put in one of those monumental efforts, just are tackling their guts out, should there be a bonus? I, I think it should. I think the game now, as you said before, has purely gone to these attackers. And it'd be nice to reward the base stat from when I was a game that it used to be, and it was awesome. You know, your poor Gallons, your Corey Parkers, where they're just high work rate of all this defence. It'd be nice to, to kind of bring that back, and I think it would reward it. I, would, I wouldn't go extreme points with it, but, yeah, it'd be nice, you know, like a bonus five points. That'd be huge if you're, you're tackling 30 to yeah, 40 tackles. I think so. I think some really bring it a bit more open with the, the forwards and... Yep, I think um, someone like um, Josh Jackson then, if he got a 10-point bonus, 
it gets him back towards a David Fafita who scores lots of tries, but he's lazy as all fuck. You know, and because... open up the dummy halves as well. Yeah. Like you think about Cook and your Coruscant and all those guys, um, it might be open because I've never seen a dummy half position this year. It's been so obsolete. Yeah. He's yeah. picking the, the best of a bad bunch. I know Harry Grant's probably above the crop, but even he's been un, unhealthy all year, like, you know, unfit. So... It's it's been a really volatile position, and something yeah. like that could really turn that around. An extra yeah. five to ten points each game if they're consistently doing it. Yeah, it's huge over a total of a year. Yeah, and I think if you can jazz up those positions that have gone a little dead, so I think tacklers and and no one ever wants a tackle bot anymore because you just want all this attack. Uh, I think hell up in goal are people who are the effort players, like the one percent of players in our game, like the Josh Jacksons and the you know the Mitch Barnetts of the world. And I think if you're there making bulk tackles. All right. Um, do you think that maybe they give less points for assists, line breaks, and line break uh, assists? Maybe just shave them a smidge. Because we just... Um, the disparity between what they give defensive points or they give attacking points for maybe a little bit far apart. Or do you, are you happy for them to stay? I'm, I'm happy for them to stay. I can see the reason for the argument of should they be changed, but... I'm happy for him to stay. The thing is, we're used to the way it is now. We target those kind of players. You go when you consider bringing people in. You're considering them because of their attacking prowess. And you know, some of these plays deserve, like example, tries and line break. I like how it's not that far apart from actually scoring a try because some of these guys will just cross the line like these wings and get thirty yeah, points. Yeah, I know. Receiving a pass where I think it. It's good that if they can set that up, that other player is still gaining twenty points. So I think I think it's it's right where it is. If anything, okay. a try could be two points left, then you could give them fifteen. But I'm happy with how their attacking stats are. Um, well, here, here's a question for you. Here's a question for you then, because one of the things that we often see is people doing mirrored, you know, like, well, this was an assist this week, this wasn't. You know, like, last week, you know, Cook did two dummy half budge overs that are a try assist, and then the week after he does one where he goes behind his body, it goes to, you know, the second rower, and he goes over, and it's not. There's inconsistency in it. So, I mean, and, and, and a lot of people I hear on there are like, oh, well, why did... Um, why did that try assist go to them, to the winger instead of blah there? Yeah, you know, so a lot of that sort of stuff. So here's a suggestion to you. What about, do we bring in last touch? You know, like we do try contribution. So if you're going to give it to Cody Walker, who's the one that created the try and then the, the center there's the one that puts the winger over, is there four points or two, three point two? Like let's make a last touch that is something because in that there's some plays where they don't even get a try contribution. And they get nothing. They get nothing. Yeah. yeah, well, they used to have the last touch. I think in instances I know they sometimes give more than one person points for, like, you know, TC. But I think there should be a limit of how many people can receive it. But definitely, if you have a key input in the play, the fact is if they didn't do that play, um, the trial wouldn't have been scored and they're not getting any points for it. I think that's not right. So, yeah, I think maybe putting something in bounds should be that. And Fair enough of all the people thinking it's inconsistent. I think that's the number one thing they've got to fix up, fix up is the consistency of giving stuff and not just rewarding, you know, someone like Cleary to try just because he's a popular player. Yeah. That's why people are too scared to go pod. You've got to reward it consistently. So, you know, people are scared to go that pod route now because, example, in the little eye Cleary, Cleary will get it most of the time, so what's a fact to go on the eye? You yeah. know what I mean? Certain instances like that, I think, I know it's hard for him to be perfect every time, but human. They're going to yeah. make mistakes. 
But, but I mean, it was, it's been way too inconsistent. It yeah. needs to be cleared up so people can do what's best. Like the best thing for the game is golden pods, and that's how tactical super coach players can get ahead, and it makes the game so much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a, a fair bit of this this year where you're like, based on what you've seen for the year, you're like, that's a try assist, and then when you see him it pulled off, you're just like, are you bloody crazy? You know, like. Um, you know, I think that maybe they need to get a bit more black and white. There's a little bit too much, you know, interpretation put on it. But I mean, I think if there was a last touch, you know, who touches it last every time, and even if it's two points, it's better points. You know, like if someone is the yeah. center wing who passes it, rather than giving them the try assist when all they did was catch and pass, a very simple thing that someone, you know, like it becomes less argumentative. You know, like the the center wing gets something. All right, well. Um, what about if somebody does a tackle that causes, um, an error? So a legal tackle, like if you tackle someone and they cough up and the ball, yeah. yeah, and they lose the That's ball. That should be worth one, even just one point for that. If you think about how many times a knock-on is caused because of that thing, yet again, there's got to be a point, there's got to be a point or two. There's got to be a point yeah. or two because, I mean, you've got these players who are just like Victor Adley who go in and hit under the ball and they make maybe three of them a game. That should be worth six points extra, shouldn't it? Or two a, two a tackle. Like Those are the ones that are turning games because of their great defense. And Jake Trevojevic does it all the time. Um, extra trades. I'd be interested to know what you think about that. Look, it's interesting. I know this year it seems like, yep, we need extra trades, but it's always been pretty clear cut. If you can play super coach and you're a good player, you can, you've got to manage your trades better. There are plenty of times earlier this year where I could have not held a trade and I'd be in a better spot. I think with how tough this season was, yeah, maybe instead of 37 trades, 38, 39, like an extra two might have been yeah. more suffice. I think they've already come out saying they're not going to give extra trades next year, but there's going to be plenty of changes around with the rules. Look, I'd be happy with anywhere between 38 to 40, but if it stayed the same, I'm not going to argue because in the end of the day, right now, I'm in the position from what the decisions I made. Yeah. And there are plenty of people out there still now with four to five trades and in good ranking positions. Now, yeah, there it is. It comes down to super coach management. So in the end of the day, everyone's sitting complaining, oh, we need more trades. Yes, the game's changed and there's plenty more injuries, but there's tactics around it. There's plenty of times where <laughs> you didn't have to make a trade, but you did. So, yeah, and I mean, uh, and I'll look, I'll... Yeah, and I mean, I think next year I will play it differently. Having seen this year and the way that the rules have changed, I probably would have been way more conservative because sometimes yeah, I just... I won't use as much trades, for sure. I think that's the biggest learning from this year is save those trades, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we just... Because last year we had this, you know, the COVID shutdown and we got extra trades We and we could trade every week. We just became maybe a little... Yeah, we just became a little bit... We, we forgot how hard... That you've got to be a little bit more disciplined. I think 39. And even if there was two more, or maybe three, or two more, just because of the fact that, look, the NRL is trying to make a change in, in football with, you know, high contact. And, you know, imagine the people that, you know, you, you didn't lose PAP for one week in the past where it was... HIA was one week. You lose them for 13 weeks. And, I mean, people who brought in... Um, you know, Souths, you know, the the old center wing there, he, he's having lingering, you know, um, issues now with, with his with his HIA. And I think just because of the way HIAs, uh, they've got to be a couple, you know. But again, if they're doing some of these rule changes in the scoring, 
maybe it doesn't need to be as many trades. I think two trades yeah. and some of those changes in there. Um, you know, like what if you lose if you lose a player, for instance, um, just say you've got CHN in your team, he gets a HIA for foul. Uh, you know, he's in your team. You're playing him. You lose him for you know a foul. And then and and you and the eighteenth man comes in. Should you be able to get the eighteenth man? They're only going to play as long as what CHN was. See that that would make it very interesting. There's a lot of things they've got to address, and I think out of everything we discussed, maybe they'll cover one or two of those. But I, I think that would be suffice. Like I, I don't think all next year they can just hard change. I think you've slowly got to ease it in. It's like every year we get more rules, and like anything, you have to adapt and overcome to play super coach and yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could do that, but do I think that's going to happen? No, but with the way the rules are and the concussions, I think the big change this year compared to last year is the increased concussions, the amount of people that are failing concussions. And I know a lot of you, if you go back and have a look at your, your poor Supercoach round, I'd say you would have got a guy that would have failed in your HIA. Yeah. And I mean, the maybe the... Like Campbell Grain and stuff now, who's still yeah, out playing yeah, footy, yeah. you bring him in, and because of fair play and them getting concussed, you're now dealing with having him to harbour a player like that. So yeah. it would be nice to have an ultimatum to that. Yeah, I think maybe something simple like, I mean, if you just lose someone for a HOA, a HIA and it was nothing, you know, bad, you know, but if it was where an 18th man is triggered, you know, it was foul play that meant that another player was allowed to be brought in. So that player becomes your player. Your you know? player. That'd be cool. Yeah. Because it, they're you only going to play... Yeah, they might go good. Yeah, but you're only getting for as many minutes as the other person was off for. You know, like your play. It'd be interesting because that 18th man has all the chances just to go to the bench. Because generally, if they're the 18th man, they're the 18th. Yeah, maybe, but that's what you get. That's what you get. That would go down as negative. Yeah, you'd be best. You'd be better off than what you were before. Um, And there'd be times where that could really work out for you. But yeah, I I really don't mind that because that's a catch twenty two. You're not gonna most of the time. You're not gonna get much better. Look, how many times has you know, sometimes those 18th men have been triggered and they haven't even been used in the game. Um, but you might get five. Because the other week had salmon and they didn't even use him. Yeah, and you might get five to seven, but it just makes it like, you know, yeah, at least you get something. better than what it is now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, it was good to get all of those opinions on those things. I think next year, some of those things, and these are things I've seen on the socials that have been floated. I liked some of them, and I just wrote down a few of them that I thought. I think a lot of those actually bring a little bit back to defense. And we, it opens the game up then to play it like we used to play, where you had your Corey Parkers and you had your, you know, your your big strong players that were defensively good, you know, like your tackle bots and stuff, where there's something for them. All right, well, into the quiz, and here's I'll do my intro to the quiz, and we'll ask you a quiz. It's going to be Penrith related ones because you're a big Penrith fan. Well, well, you and Timmy, one of the best so Penrith fans. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's my intro. When I can do it, if I can play it. There you go. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know why I picked that, but here's my. If this, if you get an answer wrong, here's my buzzer. All right, so here's the first question. The record is 13. It was probably my guest last week who got a 13. Um, How many questions are you asking? Well, I mean, they're five questions, but they're worth 16 points. Because oh, some of them, there's multiple points to be earned in it. And, and this yeah, is... No 
Yeah, this is obviously as of last round, which would be a round that you would have looked at because this round is not closed, so we don't know 100%, you know, what the results are. So yeah, the f- you never really look into the fine detail sometimes. I do and I don't, but last week I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how you go. Um, who, yeah. who has the most tries this year for the Penrith Panthers? It's Charlie Stones. Staines is correct, so you get a point. Staines has 14 tries. At, at, oh, shit, I pressed the button. Sorry, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> you should have, like, a buzzer for the right one. Like yeah, I should. I'm going to have a ding. I, I said that last week, and I didn't do it. But, um, all right, so you've got a point for Staines. Um, but you get a bonus point if you can tell me who the second most tries are for the Panthers this year. Burton. Correct. Burton yeah. 12. And I think he, he got over again this week, so he might yeah, be challenging. It was in my head, but I knew it was a, someone you wouldn't normally think of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Staines, he hasn't done much for teams this year in any other way, but he scored some tries. And Burton has been, you know, he's been good. I, I thought the move to him, you know, I think they should have always just played him in the halves, you know. Well, and- the, 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 the fact they were offered at the start of the year. All they had to do, the Bulldogs, to get that burden was to give them, give us Dylan Napa. Oh, imagine if that happened. Penrith would not be where they are. <laughs> He's been purely one of our best. So it's, yeah, it just shows you. Yeah, I can't believe the Bulldogs didn't make that move. <laughs> yeah. thank you. For I mean, just not so much what it would have done for the Bulldogs because it probably would have been a bit of teething, but it certainly helped the Penrith Panthers. Um, all right, who has the most tackle breaks for the Penrith Panthers this year? Quality. That's that's a hard one because you know first thing you think of is kick out, but I don't think it is. I have to go with Brian Toto. Yeah, Brian Toto. Yeah. Brian Toto is correct. I did a correct like da da ding. All right. Well, who and and I'm going to tell you to just steer away from kick out. But who has got the second most tackle breaks for the Penrith Panthers this year? I think well, if- I thought it was Fisher Harris. I'm not liking him Fisher Harris yet. Um, maybe no oh, tackle no, break. Nathan Cleary. I'm gonna. That might be a brave locking, but I'm just gonna lock in Nathan Cleary. All right. No. <laughs> no, it was uh, Dylan Edwards. No, see, I would never have guessed that. No, I yeah. Would never guessed that. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, total racked up 196, and you look at how many games he's played. But um, when I looked at it as of last week, Dylan Edwards 122 in tackle breaks. He's a tackle breaker. Yeah, the fact is he, like, when he gets a ball back uh, from the kick, he returns so much meter, so I should have thought of it. Like, yeah, and he, and he always usually breaks the first, but always breaks the first tackle, you know? Every time, every time, yeah, I should have thought of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, you've only missed one. Um, the lowest averaging um, player for the Panthers this year, but it's got to be a minimum of five games. So who has averaged yeah, okay. the lowest, but they've played five that's- games? That's so hard because you got to think of these bench players. Yeah, um, you do. Somebody who's played a fair well, few games, but not... See, Staines has been garbage. If you set a five-round average of the card, you would, but he has had some big scores. So I don't know if it's him. Um, Mitch Kenny comes to mind. Matt he's played big minutes, there. though. He's played big minutes on the uh, when he's filled in for Coruscant, which would have helped his average. Someone who yeah, consistently has um, got low minutes. I'll give you a clue. One, one is a forward... Uh, Forward. One is a forward. I'm thinking. Why am I thinking? Cheapy, cheapy that everyone mo- mostly would have picked oh, up. Spencer Lino. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that. 
Yeah, yeah Spencer Lenu. He he's averaging thirty point four. It's not a shit average, but it's it's the lowest. Minutes aren't that great, and it hasn't really translated. He's right. someone that is an eighty nightmare for everyone now. Yeah, I'm glad I got rid of him. And another bonus will be for the second most worst average um, is is the utility. Uh, don't give me any more clues. I want to give it a oh, Tyrone May. Yeah, Tyrone. I must have something on Nathan Cleary May. He does. He's his best friend, and I think Ivan's. Um, <laughs> Looks after him. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, he him. does look after him. I'm glad to see that um, a good, a good May. You know, he he looks like a prospect. Well, Tyrants had some games where he surprised me, and that, oh, I forget the game we won the week before. William Bronco, oh, he he stepped up and done some good moves, but yeah, he really. You just, really you've got to keep him out of the halves. Oh, and center, just play him as a fourteen. He's a good utility. He's good utility. He's got utility, but yeah. All right, so you've only uh, dropped you've only dropped one in here so far. Um, now this is one that is not exclusively Penrith Panthers, but who are the top five yeah. top five try assist players this year overall in Supercoach? Who's got the most um, try before, assist before this round? Yeah, just this bit where it stood last round. Top five try assist people. Oh, my mind's gone blank, but Jerome Hughes. Um. I don't know why I think Jerome. I've already said it. I love Jerome Hughes in his. I need top five. Do I need to give him an order? No, just any of them. No, and I don't think it's Jerome Hughes, but I've said his name, so I'll lock him in. No, it's not Jerome Hughes. No Jerome Hughes in the top five. Cody Walker's got Cody Walker is correct. You got him. Cody is the number one. He's the number one. Yeah, he's got 348 points in Supercoach for try assists. See, it's tough because at the Spurs after the year, Luai was also up there. He wouldn't be anymore. I'll give you. Um, I'll give you a clue. The teams that you're going to find the remaining four players out of, there's a couple of Manly players. There's an Eels player. Um, well, Tom Trebojevic is definitely going to be one of them. Yep, Turbo is in there. <coughs> oh shit! No, no, no. Yeah. It's correct. Turbo has. Um, yep. How many is he? Is he number two? He's number three. Um, see, I think Cleary's in there, but first we'll try and guess the Parramatta one. The Parramatta one is that um, it's got to be the Mitch Moses or Reed Marnie. I'm, it's, is it Reed Marnie? Moses. That is Mitch Moses. That is Moses. And I'm actually going to take I'm going to take one off you and give it as a kick, a tick, because you said Jerome Hughes, and he is equal fifth. He's, it's 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 like a three way oh, tie. Yeah, it's a three-way tie, but you miss Moses. Uh, who do else so do you reckon three from? Out of four? Yeah, who do, who? Are, yeah, it is. And who else do you reckon from Manly? Cherry Evans. That's right, Cherry Evans, two eighty-eight. He's second. He would be up there. So yeah. you've got Cody in first, DC second, Turbo third, Moses fourth, and it's it's a three-way tie between Sam Walker. Scott Drinkwater and Hughes, all on 240 before last round. So you only miss a point there from that. And the last question of the day is the top five averaging scores for second row forward in the competition. Top five, okay. Um, Isaiah Pucker, he's got to be one. Two second row, sorry, I should have wrote that on my notes. Second row forward only. So they're exclusively second oh, row. Okay, yeah, okay. Because I was gonna say Isaiah. Yeah, Papa Lee, he would be one. would have been up there. But um, I asked a similar yeah. question than that. So, so second yeah, row forward uh, only. 
Yeah, David Fafita's number one. Number one. Um, Angus Crichton would be up in there yep. too. Number two. Uh, well, is this highest averaging? Yeah, average. Um, so they could play two high. games, you know. Minimum games. Oh, no, so just... Yeah. Oh, that makes it... That makes it tricky. All of these have played um, a fair few games. Tohu Harris. Yeah, Tohu is in there. He... Oh, shit. <laughs> no, it's yeah, right. Tohu Harris. Tohu Harris is fourth. Okay, um... You think about people that people that people who would own them, you know, like ownership and. The high, yeah, I know. I've got, yeah, at the moment I'm thinking, which I know will be a few of these guys. Ryan Madison, Corey Hornera could even be in there. You could also have uh, Cam Murray. Uh, is it is Madison in there? He might just be out if he's not. Uh, he's out. No, Maddo. So you get one more guess. All right. Um, just going to get one name of the two that are still in there. Hawera and Ira? Yeah. Hawera and Ira is the fifth highest averaging second row forward. Yeah, he's been excellent. Yeah, you missed um, Murray. If you just said Murray ahead of yeah, Maddo. So I said the three would be out of Murray, Hawera and Ira. <laughs> well, so you get, a, the you get a 13 out of 16, which is equal with, um, you know, the top score. So congratulations, your top level score. <laughs> There you go. That's the quiz for the week. And look, we've got <laughs> we've gone for an hour and twenty four minutes. It was great to have you on. Um, thanks for coming on. One of the, you know, my favourite person from the Super Coach Experience podcast for sure. Um, and look, good to talk about some of those rule changes that I thought about for next year. Um, and really great to have you on. I think you know, there's a few people that I've had on as guests. I think next year when we talk about you know, player options who are possibles for the following year, next year, you'll be a good guest for one of those programs again. So I'd love to have you back on. Oh, love, thanks for having me, man. It was good to, you know, come on and talk about something different. Uh, <laughs> you know, so used to the same context. So it was good to kind of look into next year and, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the season. So I guess they're, they're big talking boys. You know? But yeah, thanks for letting me uh, on and I'd, I'd be happy to come back on again next year, mate. Oh, good. Well, thanks for coming. And look, I'll, I'll, I always sing my, my guests out. So I'll sing you out now and we will, we'll play the song and, um, here we go. Thanks for coming on Mikey. I had Mikey Adard on host of the super coach experience. How privileged am I? He's having a bit of an okay year. He's coming back strong. And how good to talk a little bit of strategy about scoring next year. The guy's a mind. What a great mind. Thanks for coming, Mikey. (laughs) Thanks for coming, buddy. And I'll talk to you again soon, eh? Yeah, catch you. Talk to you, buddy. Bye. Thanks, mate. There you go. There's Mikey. What a champion. Love him. Good luck, Tim Moody. Hope you're hot on top spot, mate. Love you. Bye.